Well, hey there, and welcome to a brand new episode of Delivering Marketing Joy. I am your host, Kirby Hosman, and joining me today is a brand new rock star. I'm so excited to jump in here. She's the founder and CEO of Dietitian Boss, a sales and marketing expert. She's a business coach. Libby Rothschild, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here, Kirby. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited to dive in because you know, just starting right away, one of the things I know is that you took your initial business, which was sort of a side hustle, and you grew it to a seven-figure business, which is something that I think anybody who's starting any kind of business kind of aspires. Hey, how do I get to a million bucks, right? So having done that, can you tell people what does it take to make that transition? Absolutely. So the million-dollar milestone is it's a a really fun thing to work towards. And Mm -hmm. for me, in my experience, uh, is that I've really tapped into leveraging online, specifically social media. Mm. So the first thing I think that a lot of people undervalue or they don't spend enough time on is the concept of solving a really big problem. Mm. Uh, So I found a a space in the market. I found a gap and a need. And that was among my peers who are dietitians. I'm a trained clinician. And they were not sure how to make money outside of the traditional clinical position, which is highly underpaid. Mm. I saw that gap. And as I explored it, I, I experienced that personally. And I learned that my peers felt the same way. Mm -hmm. So I solved that need. And after exploring and and doing market research, I learned that was in fact the biggest problem. So I think any business that's sustainable and that has a chance that really has legs to the business is solving the biggest problem in a market. And then the next piece would be learning how to differentiate because it's easy to say, "Hmm, what are the biggest problems? Okay. Maybe helping people make more money or possibly losing weight or gaining more time. Those are all really common themes if we think about it and think about some examples in popular media. But the next piece is how do I not sound and act and feel like a copy and paste version of someone else? Right. Yes. So that, that's the next piece. So the first piece is, is solving a you know, problem. And the second piece would be differentiation. So for mm-hmm. me, when I started my company from my clinical office, I was started, at, you know, I built Dietitian Boss while I was working my nine to five position. <laughs> I used social media and we were fully remote. We've always been remote to build my audience. And even though the audience is only at you know, 21,000 followers, they're really engaged Right. And so those are you know, a lot of dietitians predominantly who are looking to start and grow an online business so they can get paid what they're worth mm-hmm. and they can feel aligned as a practitioner, which many of them in the, you know, their clinical setting equivalent to corporate is, is not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So differentiation for me was that there was nobody else out there, nobody doing what I did. And wow. there were you know, dietitians, there was one that helped nutritionists with SEO, right? But there wasn't anybody specializing in dietitians specifically. So I made the choice and everybody told me not to do it. They said, go broader. It's too niche because there are only 100,000 dietitians. I'm not saying that everybody needs to go you know, hyper niched as I did. I have many successful clients that are not as hyper niche, but this is my story. Mm-hmm. I saw the need and I said, you know what? I'm going to differentiate by helping these specific type of people. And I'm going to focus on creating a framework after helping so many clients that gets them results. So I was able to differentiate by focusing on registered dietitians, helping them leverage social media to create an online business. And then after working with hundreds and hundreds and then thousands of, cli- of clients, I was able to codify a methodology in which they get those results and then use that method to hire a team to help even more people to help me grow my impact and then be able to remove myself from delivering service, which many of us professional providers 
uh, get stuck in that. And we end up spending a lot of our time in the delivery piece when if we pull out and find a way to do that, we can actually grow and scale the company to a greater degree, which is something I was able to do earlier on because I had that framework, right? And it was easy for me to create a framework because everybody I was helping was similar. And so I believe in marketing and, and in business, when you know who your audience is, really well, you can create an amazing service and offer or product for them. And that piece is often overlooked, right? So in in summary, you're solving a problem, you're differentiating who you are and how you're able to serve people. If there's someone exactly like you out there, that's not a good sign. So you want to find some way to be different. And there's, you know, books and theories on that, but I don't see a lot of people actually doing it. Right. Um, And then uh, lastly, after that, it would be finding a way uh, for me to pull out of some of the things I'm doing in my company, which is essentially delegation, right? So how can you create delegation measures to be able to grow faster? And we grew really fast, really quickly. And it was in part because I was able to hire folks that were able to coach and help me help more people Mm. in our our, um, masterminds and programs. and, And now we have a membership. That's really cool. That's really cool. And it's interesting to me that people told you not to niche down because it feels like that's the advice I like for me, our business tends to be serving a broad audience. And I'm always yeah. like, gosh, I need to niche more. And so it's it's yeah. fascinating. You got opposite advice. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, the, the question is how niche do you go? Right. right so right. so helping registered dietitians, again, um, there's a reason nobody had done it. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely there. There's only a hundred thousand in America and only 30,000 of them have a job. So it's a very Mm. small market. And especially if you look at other verticals, we've got therapists, there's a couple hundred thousand doctors and physicians and and nurses. You got a couple, a few million, right? So, so the market isn't, it's not, uh, it's, it is growing about 11, 12% every year. And I have stats obviously we're doing well. Yeah. Right. Um, but that being said, there are definitely different ways to niche, right? You could, uh, you know, niche a little bit more broadly, or you can, again, niche more of like a hyper niche, which is what mm-hmm. I'm considered. Um, so it's just one way to do it. There's many yeah. other ways and it's not the only contributing factor to our success, right? So niching down is one piece. Yeah. Um, but if I hadn't delegated and learned how to continue to read and analyze uh, my numbers, right, and, and have a you know intimate relationship with my metrics. I wouldn't have been able to pull out and understand when I need to be more in sales or be more in the um, marketing space and really be more of a manager, a sales manager than a, the sales associate, a sales rep. Um, that's really the the piece that uh, that did it for me. It really helped me get to that million dollar mark when I was close. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you, as a part of this, you said you talked about sort of uh, telling your story on social media. So, and I know that's one of the ways that you built your business. So, how can organizations leverage social media to make sales and create an impact? Yeah, great question. So, that is the only way we grow our business. We haven't stated yeah. any, no ads. We haven't put any effort into SEO. It's definitely on our list and we want to. So, we've been able to grow through social media and with a relatively, you know, small account, right? So we've got 21,000, 22,000 followers on Instagram, got half a million downloads on the podcast. We're just growing our YouTube now. Uh, So it's, it's really about creating a brand. And so, and so if that sounds scary, because it does for most people, right? Yeah. It feels so intangible. Yeah. It's, it goes back to solving a problem. So I, I went on social media and I documented what I was doing. I was working as a private practice consultant and I talked about how I was making money. So I shared my life. 
I created relationships, which is something that feels awkward for people to do sure. on social media. And it's no different than creating relationships in real life. Totally. You're agree. just using the internet. And in, yeah. a few, in a few years, we'll be using the metaverse. So it's mm. just part of how we operate in, in the 21st century. Yep. So I built relationships online and I listened to what people were telling me or their problems. And then I solved those problems in my, in my copy. So I learned how to create copy, right? So copy being visuals and words and different assets through Instagram marketing, um, showed my face to humanize the brand and let people know that the, I'm a person and not a robot, uh, <laughs> which is very hard for a lot of folks because yeah. they you know want to hide behind things yeah. and people want to connect with people. So I, uh, I listened, I solved a problem. I told my story. I was vulnerable enough to show up. I was consistent and I was diligent and I delivered a great service. And then I was, you know, was able to continue sharing the stories of my client's success, which has also been helpful because it's all about building community, right? And that goes for folks who aren't in as hyper of a niche as I am as well. Mm-hmm. Um, our clients are able to do that as well. So building a community and showing that you're able to get results through testimonials and client wins builds that trust on the internet um, when people don't necessarily know you. Um, so right. that, that's been helpful as well um, because in, in our space specifically, and again, this is ultimately goes back to knowing your audience, I'm solving a problem for a group of people that have never, they don't think it's possible, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of uh, virtual private practice in my space is still very much aspirational. And in knowing that and in knowing my ideal clients so well, I'm able to market to that. Yeah. So in, in solving that problem of like, this is the gap, this is where they are and this is what they need. I can build community through saying, here are five of your peers in different spaces, in different age groups, in different phases of their lives. Some have kids, some don't. It, whatever the differences are, I'm able to highlight their success level and create that hope and that relatability to other clinicians who also want to achieve that life and can feel it's more possible when they see their peers doing it. And I've been able to do that through podcasting, been able to do that through Instagram, and then I've been able to repurpose that content to continue to tell that narrative to then get people excited about the idea and that they feel like they have that sense of community and then they're trusting to following my process. And then when they do follow the process, then I've got a testimonial from them and it adds on to that cycle of continuing to market and sell through building community in a very niche space that has a very big problem that hadn't yet been solved the way that I solved it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And again, you're making an impact and, 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 you know, I think speaking of building a business around impact, You've talked about running a mission-based business. Why, why do you think that matters? Yeah, well, I think that it's, uh, it's important. And a lot of people, and especially you know, younger generations, as, as you know, you've probably all seen headlines and research, people want to feel a sense of belonging. Yeah. So when you work with a company that has a purpose, and this is especially true right now, we've got the climate of, of hiring being such an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want to feel a sense of belonging to the work that they're doing, whether you are an entrepreneur and you're creating the work or whether you're working with or for somebody else. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, you know, even I have staff members that aren't clinicians and they still love the idea that we are helping predominantly women become financially independent and free. And so there's some aspect of the mission and and the company, which is ultimately to transform a profession, but it's really about empowering younger women to explore options that are non-traditional to live a flexible life. And flexibility is is what most people want and what most nine to fives can't give us. And then to have that flexibility as well as be able to achieve the monies we might desire and with less overhead on the internet, it's still mind blowing for a lot of people that it's possible. Right. Um, but working in a mission based business is inspiring for me on difficult days because ultimately that that is you know why I started this company. It's for the money, but ultimately, 
it, it really is about creating an impact and, and waking up and knowing that there's a sense of purpose for the company and for the staff and that thread that can tie us all together. And it's a differentiator. So it's for yeah. branding as well. And, and I, you know, when I look at competition or indirect competition or other people that might have some form of something similar in the market, uh, one of the great ways to, to see and to stack up for doing whether you call it a SWOT analysis or however you might, whatever framework you might use to compare yourself to your competition, using your mission and your vision and the values of your company is truly the unique DNA that you've created. And when you can carry that out and have all your staff members be able to speak it mm-hmm. and live it, um, then you're creating a strong culture and people really want to work with a culture that is strong and meaningful. And then that also trickles down to the clients who feel that in the client experience. And a lot of businesses fail because they can't retain clients. So if you have a strong culture and mission, vision, and values, and that trickles down to the clients, they might want to stay longer in a company that has, you know, staff in the entire DNA of the company that's, that's functioning and, and with a strong sense of identity. And so people are striving for identity. They're striving, they're striving for belonging. And so it goes two ways. Clients want that. And then staff wants that. Um, So as business owners, it's our responsibility to build that, even if in the most infancy stages, and you're not sure what all your values are, but you might have one value, or you might kind of have an idea of a mission, and it's not really quite clear, but you're kind of working on it, that's still in the right direction, you know, to allow yourself permission to evolve it with time is definitely going to help you stand out both when you're looking to hire good fits and when you're looking to retain clients, because it's definitely important if you want to sustain your your business to to be able to get clients to continue working with you. That's yeah, that's good stuff. Well, this is great, Libby. I so I got one more question for you, if that's okay. Sure, uh, of course it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you, uh, you, you're uh, like obviously you've built this business and um, you've done it through uh, unique social media sales and marketing. So, uh, because you're doing business coaching, I wanted to at least throw this at you. What are some tips for somebody listening? What are some tips for sharpening your sales skills? Yeah, so I would say the three tips would be a uh, tactical tip would be to listen more than you speak. And so think of it 80-20 or think of it uh, 90-10. And mm. that alone, most people aren't doing that. So if you think about conversations in general, this is true in life, but specifically and even more so in sales, you want that conversation to be 50-50, which is never true, it might be 60-40. But if that's a normal conversation, just for etiquette and personal skills, and you're trying to really hone in on your sales acumen, then you want to listen even more than you would in a general conversation. So the more you can listen, uh, and then you can speak back what people want and make sure that you're hearing them, right. um, you're on your way to, uh, to, to being primed to be a better salesperson. And that's yeah. one of the, the best gifts and skills that you can learn to master. Yeah. I know I'm biased, but it's true. <laughs> uh, so so that's, that's what the first tactical tip would be, uh, yeah, that 80, 20, 90, 10 listening. Uh, the second tip would be to uh, really uh, ask yourself, and this is more of a mindset thing, but it's true at all levels because we all struggle with rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to ask yourself, like, what kind of uh, preconceived notions or, or what are the, the stories you're telling yourself about what sales means and taking a moment to, you know, 30 seconds or a minute to think about what you think of when you hear the word sales and why you might be going towards it, going away from it and really unpacking that. Um, so that's a little bit uh, woo-woo if you call it, but it's important mm-hmm. to incorporate. I can't you know, not say something mindset because sales is so much mindset. Oh, it's huge. Uh, and then the last piece would be to hire professional help or get a mentor if you're not in a position mm-hmm. to invest. Some of us you know, aren't in that position yet. 
There are a lot of great, you know, resources, YouTube channels. I write articles all the time about sales and sales management in Forbes. So you can just Google sales, you know, plus Forbes, just look it up. There's great content on social media. Definitely educate yourself. Doesn't necessarily have to be a certain framework, just get in the mindset of learning what it means to sell and then stepping back and thinking that sales isn't always that traditional corporate idea of in-person sales is using social media sales is having conversations with people sales is listening and recapping what they're saying and asking how you can be more value than you're asking for when you're engaging in any kind of conversation. They're really just rethinking what that word means to you. Well, I love that. I, I, I agree. Um, I think any of us who are in business are in sales, whether we like to think it or not. And I think yeah. I've heard friends of mine say real sales is serving. Right, like, and, and I think if you look at it in that way, it does help get away from the stereotypical thing that I think some people. Oh, I don't want to be in sales because I don't want to be like that person um, who's trying to rip somebody off or whatever. It's like I think if you look at it as if you are serving somebody who has a problem that you can help solve, it does change your mindset about that. And I think that what you said there was powerful. Thanks, Kirby. And I, I feel like that's a great affirmation. Like I am serving, right? Because we go back to the second tactical tip I gave, which was thinking about what that word sales means. And yeah. I, I'm sure nine out of 10 of you did not say serving, <laughs> right? Because most people don't associate that. That's a very high level. Like I've worked through mindset stuff to be able to articulate that. So I think something that could be helpful and a little bit more tactical than me just saying, like, think about the word sales would be you creating an affirmation mm. around something positive about sales and then putting it on your wall like or um, adding it you know, somewhere in your, where you can see a sticky note on your computer or your screensaver or something like that to help you reframe how you're approaching the conversation, um, that that could be a tactical way for you to open yourself up because Nobody that stays in business can ignore sales. For just sure. Can. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, it's just no way around it. Yeah. Well, Libby, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been amazing. Um, and uh, we will have to do it again sometime if that's okay. Thank you so much for having me, Kirby. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. I want to thank Libby Rothschild and we will see you next time. <laughs>